Hey, Rosie. Did I fall asleep again? Yeah, you're pretty sleepy. Man, I've been burning the candles at both ends, man. I know. I just wanted to say this is a special disclaimer before this episode because every time that I have been in an interview situation with our next guest, Andrew Mim, I've been very sleepy for different reasons. The first one was when he was interviewing me on a radio station in Kearney, Nebraska, and it was very early. According to my standards, most people are like awake and like getting coffee at scooters, driving to the workplace, but I wake up later. It takes me a while to wake up. I, it takes me like at least four hours to be human in the morning, and he put up with me, and then his episode here with us, I was very tired because it was very late, and we were putting in a lot of hours trying to get the show off the ground. So I wanted to just say, thank you for interviewing yourself, Andrew Mim. I can't wait for you to interview me, too. Also, Rosie has something to say. Hey, Arlo. I mean, weirdos. Uh, welcome to Everyone's Weird and So Is Arlo. We're recording this out of Minneapolis, but our guests are located all across the world. And Ronan is across the Atlantic in Galway, Ireland. Because of that and the nature of technology, there are going to be occasional issues with audio or video quality. Things that don't get picked up. Animals that are poorly puppeted. Or any other number of problems. We will try to eliminate as many as we can, but sometimes an amazing moment happens in the middle of a technological glitch. We want to make sure those moments make it out to the world. So please, please would you please, just look at me. Just please forgive any audio, visual, or other technological related problems. Because we want to show people how they are. The same philosophy applies to how we want to present the show, I guess. I don't know. I'm just reading off a teleprompter right now. Um, but everyone's weird, and so are you, and so is this podcast, but mostly Arlo. She's the weirdest princess in the whole entire world. I love her. I miss her. I can't wait to snuggle her. And neither can her mom. And so are you. One day, my daughter said to me, I can't stay quiet, my mouth wants to talk. And I couldn't wait to hear what came out of it next. We don't spend enough time telling stories or listening to those of the people who shape the world we live in. Here are real stories of the eclectic cast of characters I've collected in my menagerie of weirdos. They're brave just like you. And they deserve to be listened to. I'm Sam Jenny, and this is Everyone's Weird, and so are you. And now we have Andrew Mim, retired talk radio host personality and the bass player in the band Audation. You can find them at audationrocks.com to listen to the new album, Believe the Hype. Let's see what Andrew has to say. It's a lot and it's great and I love him and he's weird. Let's do this. Hey, Andrew. Hey, Sam. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? You know, I can't complain. Nobody listens. <laughs> I haven't seen you since I had to wake up really early to be on a radio show with you. That was 10 a.m. That's really early for me. <laughs> I, I, I was getting up at 4 a.m. 
I was going to sleep before I am probably. <laughs> Different lifestyles. Right. How often, how early did you have to wake up? Uh, well, I have a home studio set up, as you can see. So mm -hmm. I would get up right about 4 a.m. I'd walk over here and what I wore to bed and I would cut a few newscasts. I'd upload them into my systems in Kearney and Grand Island. Once I was done with that, then I would get ready for work and head into the real studios at the radio stations where I was working at the time. Now I get to sleep in until about 7.15, and that is really nice. That sounds great. Yeah, that's downtown. And are are you still living in Kearney? Uh, yeah, we uh, live on the northeast side. We are uh, actually getting the house ready to sell. And uh, eventually we're going to be in Florida. Oh, you're, what do they call those? Like, snowbirds. Snowbirds? You snowbirds? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to be wearing high socks with sandals. Please do. Like the ones where you have to like put your foot, like your toe and your your big toe and your right. secondary toe through the like, like kind of, what is that Japanese culture? Yeah. Actually, the last time I was down on the beach, we love going down there. Uh, I purposely wore my jeans and my work boots down onto the beach so I could get a photo of my feet and the water. And that was my, uh, that was my profile picture for a while. I got some that funny very... looks. True, true Midwestern guy right there. By the way, aside from the intro, this is Andrew Mim, previous radio. What do you what do you call yourself? Uh, well, I was a news talk program director, news director, brand manager, aka did it all for very little money. I uh, in a previous life, I was the assignment editor for uh, television news, which meant that I dispatched reporters and took care of. Uh, inventorying the equipment and our uh, automobiles and uh, spent many mornings going out there with my own tools to get a 1984 Chevy Cavalier running so a reporter could have a car. So like, what didn't you do? That sounds like a shorter list. Right? <laughs> you said you're a jack of all trades for sure. Well, hey, let um, me wear jeans you... to work instead of a shirt and tie. Yeah, that is nice. That is, that's a bonus. Um, how long have you had your home studio set up? Uh, oh, about 10 years now. Yeah, that nice. In, okay. In different uh, forms. You sound like you're super, super busy all the time still though, right? Uh, or is it slowed down a little bit? Mostly I use it for songwriting now. So I'm in here oh, recording cool. music. Uh, my last song that I wrote actually was played on the blaze in Lincoln a few weeks ago. Nice. Your own? Uh, yes. I uh, recorded guitars, bass, vocals. The only thing I did not record is drums because this is a smaller studio here. I don't have a drum set. So I uh, used yeah. pre-recorded drums off of a uh, keyboard that's off to my uh, side here. Oh, cool. That's really cool. Um, are you going to have a studio set up in Florida? That's the plan. Eventually, yes, Good. that is the uh, plan. I'm hoping that uh, the band is big enough that we can start flying to our gigs so we can all wear, live wherever we want. That's awesome. I 
really admire the way that you decided that you were underappreciated, I think, maybe. Is that putting any words in your mouth? No, that's precisely what happened. Um, I started my career in radio around 2002, and coincidentally, radio was not what I wanted to do. I wanted to go into performance arts. I went to college for performance arts, and one of my classes, they made me tried to learn how to play the piano. And I looked like the character from Peanuts, hunched over, trying to play one <laughs> key at a time. I uh, She passed me with a D, mostly because I think she did not want me to come back. And it was at that point I realized that I still wanted to do something with music, but performance and teaching, probably not. Oh, I can go to Hastings and be on the radio. That sounds easy enough, and it was, so I started my radio career at Hastings College, Hastings Tech, actually, Community College in Hastings, and uh, worked for KHAS there, and then uh, got my first big radio job, full-time radio job at KNLV AM and FM in Ord, which was a country station on the FM and oldies station on the AM. How old were you at this point? Uh, I was uh, 21, 22. Okay. And uh, spent nearly 20 years in radio and television broadcasting and decided to, uh, I tell people I retired. Uh, I retired from broadcasting in September 2021. And I tell them that because they're like, you made that much money you could retire? And I would tell them, no, that's why I'm retired. Because I'm still working. Yes, I've got to do something else to make up for the uh, the low paychecks. I left after nearly 20 years. It was a little over 18 years. And uh, just under 10 years at my last stop, making $33,000 a year. And Oh, my. I understand that... Um, this is going to be pretty controversial, and it, it's not to um, dissuade anyone from becoming a teacher. It's not to uh, delegitimize what the teachers do. Uh, but teachers in Nebraska starting out make about $45,000 a year if they don't take the health insurance. It's a little bit less if they take the health insurance. So the average reporter in Nebraska uh, over the last 15, 20 years make somewhere between 12 and 15, 16 dollars an hour. So you can imagine all of these stories over the last 10, 15, 20 years in Nebraska where Nebraska teachers are upset that they're not making a lot of money and rightfully so for the work that they do. But those stories are being covered by television, radio, and newspaper journalists that are making at times half of what those teachers are making. And the teachers are on a nine-month contract that's paid out over 12 months, but their contract is for nine months. Those reporters have to work a full 12 months to get sometimes half of what those teachers are making. And, of course, wow. tenured teachers in Nebraska can make $65,000, $70,000 a year. And I know mm -hmm. that there are... A lot of professions out there that can make a lot more than the teachers, but what the teachers don't understand is there are a lot of professions that make a lot less than what they do also. Um, so it's almost like it's almost like charity work at that point in time. Yeah, it, it's tough. And 
when I'd have these conversations with people, they would usually say, we need teachers. We don't need radio personalities. Well, one, I was a broadcast journalist. Teachers educate our children. Broadcast journalists educate the adults. Absolutely. So I decided that I was no longer going to subsidize a multi-billion dollar broadcasting company. And it's not supplementing my income. Supplementing suggests that you're making an okay wage and you're doing you know, some extra side jobs because you want to do something special with that money. Uh, subsidizing meant that I was taking on specific uh, second and third jobs just so I could continue to work in radio the last seven years of my career. And it got to the point where I was just physically and mentally taxed. I could no longer do that. And the respect wasn't there. The companies, the big companies do not respect the content creators. They respect the salesmen and saleswomen who bring in money. They have this false sense that they sell advertising, and they don't. They sell the audience that the content creators have cultivated and grown. They sell the content creators. That's who they sell. The advertising. The personality. Yeah, the advertising is just the vehicle used. And yeah. with these big media companies, they employ salespeople at the top, unlike uh, your manufacturing companies that employ manufacturing people at the top because they know they have to produce a product to sell, right? Uh, when you employ salespeople at the top, inherently, they only know how to make money through attrition. They see they're not bringing enough in. They decide to cut their overhead and then they can show a bigger profit versus manufacturing. Their off. If they're not making money, then yes, you look for some cost-saving measures, but you look to improve the product. When you have salespeople in charge at the top, they inherently, again, only know how to make money through attrition, so they'll fire their content creators to show a bigger profit margin at the end. But eventually, they run out of people to cut, and the product suffers, and advertisers aren't paying as much. And so they keep cutting and they keep cutting. And when there's nothing left to cut, then these companies sell the stations and they jump ship. And it's, it's too bad. It's, it's sad. Um, but do, you, do you think we're experiencing the decline of radio? I do. Um, satellite. Am I part of that? What's that? Am I a part of that? Uh, no, you're you're not a part of it. There is definitely more competition for content today, uh, and that isn't necessarily a, a bad thing because competition usually spurs creativity. Right? It it makes us better. We want to compete, but terrestrial radio again with salespeople at the helm. They don't know how to compete. All they do is know how to sell, sell, sell. They don't know how to make a product or grow a product. So uh, this massive new competition in the form of podcasts like you're doing, yes, it is taking a bite out of terrestrial radio revenue, but 
it isn't because of what you're doing. It's because terrestrial radio lacks the leadership to compete in this new market. They've always relied on the fact that new vehicle manufacturers put radios in their car and so they have a a captive audience but over the years with bluetooth integration and being able to pipe in your own music uh your own content via the internet or streaming services that has cut into it and also there is uh this possibility that am radio might not be in new vehicles new vehicles already don't have cd players in many of them Uh, it's not a stretch to think that they are going to get rid of fm simply because with the new technology and the waves that are going through your cell phones and wireless technology one less thing to compete with that is going to be a good thing when these cars are as sophisticated as an airplane. There's a reason why we have to put our cell phones on airplane mode, right? When we're on an airplane, we might have to, you know, start limiting what we have in our cars. And the first thing they're, they're going to cut is that FM radio, because obviously they're not going to tell you to shut your cell phone off when you're in the car, but that, that day might be coming as well. Um, but I, I think radio, has survived television. It's survived so much over the years, but I don't think it's going to be able to survive itself in who they've elevated to the top unless they start promoting content creators to station managers and can write the ship. That, do you know, you know Hastings, Town Hastings really well? Yes, I do. They shot themselves in the foot because all the old men like ran the whole entire district of downtown and they wouldn't let anybody else come in. Nothing new come in. And all of a sudden Hastings stopped growing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. You know what I mean? You gotta let you gotta evolve with things and radio could have evolved a lot better than it did. I stopped listening to the radio, I'm sorry to tell you this, when I was Pregnant with Sullivan, so that would have been like 2010, and I refused to listen to it. When we were on the radio, I was so nervous because I almost felt guilt. <laughs> what was the next name in line? Oh, man, because we, we still come up with joke names about every week. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're not the only ones I've heard that did that. Our <laughs> retiring sports director, Dave Jenner, when he was playing in bands in the... Uh, in the 80s, they switched their name all the time, but uh, for that exact reason, they weren't very good. Oh, man. And so they weren't going to get a return invite. Are you telling us we're good? Oh, man. And so they weren't going to get a return invite. Are you telling us we're not good? I, no, no I, I'm saying you are. I, I like it. So, so, like, yeah, exactly. Like, and it's it's kind of a, a stigma thing. It's like, oh, we were just bad because our name sucked. So if we change our name, we'll be a better band. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. So well, you, you go like by sports. sleepy people right now, Seth Moniger and <laughs> Sam, Jenny. and you, you We were know walking what? there. I was like, I don't listen to the radio, but I, did, I loved your personality. I've heard your personality on the radio. You believed in us. I was super not awake yet. Um, Seth and I did a good banter back and forth, and you loved us and that we – loved you for loving us obviously who doesn't but you know it was just like almost like this is sacrilegious but also I feel guilty because they wanted us it was such a weird experience but I hadn't listened to radio in forever because it just wasn't relevant to me because I could download whatever I wanted to hear and also I found out that through like 
can I, I, I'm going to call them out. I can edit it out if I have to, but Hits 106 plays the same songs on reel. You didn't do that. No. Um, one, I was news talk. So, yeah. uh, I was the radio station for six hours. It's not like they could yeah. rely on music or other content. Uh, but what you said there, it wasn't relevant to you. And that's exactly what radio tries to do. They try to segregate the audiences into a specific demographic. So why 102 wants to go after uh Females, well, just say hit country wants to go after females um, 25 to 40, somewhere around there. So they can target advertisers to that demographic. So, you know, whether you fit or whether their station is relevant to you is irrelevant to them because it's relevant to enough people that they can make a dime off of it, and that's all they care about. Gone are the days when radio actually wanted to be something for the community. I still tried to do that with KGFW, um, but I didn't feel like my efforts were appreciated enough by the company to allow me to continue those efforts. Those efforts were massively appreciated by the community, just not by my employers. Absolutely. So I said, if you haven't watched the newsroom, watch that show. It will move you. You will love it. It is literally your mission. It's just the truth, getting the truth out there and people stopping with the sensationalism and all the butterfly little like, you know, what do you call it? Bubblegum, like easy to digest. The fluff news. Stupid celebrity shit, fluff news, whatever it mm-hmm. is that people just want to hear because they're sick of hearing what's real because life's getting harder as we get more populated, let's be honest. And as we get more competition in our industries, but you always kept it really real. Um and I, when you approached us about being on the radio, I fangirled quite a bit. I think I squealed. I might have cried or peed my pants <laughs> just a little bit, but I've had three kids naturally. So screw you if you have any opinion on that. But um, I I just like, he wants another show because he's so intelligent. He's got, you know, I just, I, it felt really cool to have you recognize who we were and you really did you specifically recognize who we were as a duo yeah you guys and you picked out our favorite song our best song you guys were great um i want to say that uh you guys did a song by the civil wars while you were uh, from this valley yes yes i saw you at one of our local establishments and your cohesiveness was entrancing just the way you guys fed off of one another. I saw you at another uh, time where you sat in with some other musicians and you were playing the cello. Mm. And that was really awesome. There's one thing that really grinds my gears when it comes to local arts, and that is how unaware the general public is that these gifts 
these people, these special people live in their community and are creating something as special as what you and Seth were creating or what many others are creating. And that's why I wanted to highlight the arts on my show. There's this, I don't even want to call it a fallacy, but it's just an inherent tendency that if we don't see somebody on a major network or we don't hear them on radio, then their art is not good enough. And there are more artists of a higher caliber of talent in our local communities than you will ever hear on the radio. And I wish people would search them out. And that's what I tried to do. I tried to search those people out and bring them on to my show and and try to introduce them to an audience that maybe hadn't heard them. I'm super humbled that we were part of that. Thank you. It was, really humbled. It, it, it was great having you guys on. I'm sorry that I was so tired, but I still had so much fun with you. You're so easy. You're such a great host. You were such a gracious, great. Like, I don't know. You're just graceful on, on air. You just, everything flows really well. You're always your worst critic because, uh, your performance, your performance was wonderful. It, it was great. It was smooth. It was exactly what I was expecting. And you were real. You were yourself. You didn't come in trying to be somebody that you weren't. You were as easy to talk to from my perspective as I was from your perspective. One of the things that really struck me about Seth, and I've had people tell this to me about myself also, uh, with being on the radio, people heard my voice, right? So they inherently develop this picture of what I looked like in their own mind. And then when they would see me in person, it almost always did not match what they had envisioned. Seth is a great example of that because he's got the big beard. He looks like he should be rough and gruff. And he looks like when he opens his mouth to sing that he should have a baritone country twang. And he has the sweetest tenor voice that I think I have ever heard. He's somebody that that I can't believe he hadn't uh, explored performance theater because he would be great as a, a, a character mm-hmm. in a musical. He, I don't think he'd like to do the uh, physical acting, but yeah, I when I first met him, he had just recently, like two years before or three years before you we were on your show, probably. He had just recently started playing solo gigs. He had two solo gigs under his belt. He came over to my house after the bars, and my boyfriend at the time was like, this is my old friend Seth. You guys will get along. Seth and I sit down, and we just start jamming Civil Wars, just like, boom. Every single song, we both knew every single song. We're like harmonizing with each other, and I'm playing fiddle, and he's, we're both like, what just happened? I think we just made a band. So we went through like 17 different names, started with, um, radical indifference. That's funny. Right? And then we were like thumbling in the beard. You were st- then we were just badgers and spoons. <laughs> and then one time we were, not tonight. I can't remember tonight. what it was, but you had just changed your name before you came on my show. 
We we decided on sleepy people because that's when we kind of got a little bit bigger. Right. And people were like, we have to let people find us. We we have to stop changing our name. Yeah. Yeah, there's something to be said for branding. I am uh, working on that with my current band right now, Audition. We have a new album out. It's called Believe the Hype. And when I had first met Jamin and Deborah Schrader, uh, Jamin had been at this project for about 14 years trying to get it off the ground with various musicians. And as you know, musicians are odd people. They are finicky what? people. Rude. We have our own personalities. Some of us don't work well with others. Surprise, surprise. So when you find a group of people that just gel... It's a wonderful thing, and and we just gelled from the beginning, and we haven't looked back. I brought in my marketing and my branding experience to Audation. We launched our website, AudationRocks.com. We now have a new online store associated with it as well. We put out one album. We're going to double up on that, and we're working on another album at the same time, and We've played over 30 shows now, I want to say, since I joined the band. Where? Uh, all over Nebraska. We've also played Des Moines, Iowa. We've played St. Joe, Missouri. We were just in Goodland, Kansas. We're working on shows in the Denver area as well. Uh, we played... Are you lead or rhythm guitar? I am bass. Oh, you're bass? Yes. Oh, hey. Hi. High five. We're going to need a high 10. Bass is the first thing I hear every time I hear so. You know why that is? Why is Be- that? Because the foundation? Well, there's that, but it's the way the uh, bass waves carry themselves. So if you go to a big concert and you pull up in the parking lot, what's the first thing you hear? The bass and the drums. Bass? Yep. And then I always I, drums, yeah, drums always my thing. I thought I love how they interact with each other too. That, honestly, as you get a little bit closer, then you start to hear the higher frequencies. So, yes, bass. Those is, are the the tinsel on the tree, just right. trickling down on top of the foundation, and the roots. Yep. Right. So that's my little collection uh, behind me. There, I've got uh, my Strat, the. Uh, Les Paul and the bass in the middle is the one that I play the most. That's awesome. Um, are you, how far are you guys willing to travel? Because there is a radio station that is um, fanned, fan-funded pretty much, um, and they pretty much choose the artists. And I'm trying to get back to my notes that I'm being fed like crazy by your your fangirls here over <laughs> in my... Uh, Josh, can you just tell me in my ear what radio station is? The current it's part of Minnesota Public Radio. They can play whatever they want. So if you wanted a bigger audience in the Midwest, I mean, that's pretty much branching out pretty far from where you are. But still, yeah, you um, I to. go here every two weeks, so it's not that far. Yeah, you'll have to send um, it to me. I'll check it out. Yeah, I will definitely. It'd be cool. And you said Audation's the name of the band, right? Yep, Audation, A-U-D-A-T-I-O-N. And our website is audationrocks.com. The current album is Believe the Hype. Actually, if, fingers crossed, our plans work out next year, we would love to be on the road traveling and 
uh, we making can get music for a living. Get that's a, awesome. That's the dream, isn't it? The dream. Oh, that's absolutely the dream. You know, my my kids are almost all out of the house. It'll just be my wife and I, and uh, we could go wherever we want. We've had our songs played continuously on Lincoln Radio on the Blaze, and uh, just a couple weeks ago, a an online station in Florida picked up one of our songs and uh, just trying to slowly let people know about our music. You know, everybody who hears us, sees us, or hears our music connects with one of the songs, at least one of the songs. That's great. How does that feel? It feels great. Uh, we have a message that we think people want to hear. Uh, many of our songs deal with growing up or loss, grief, reinventing yourself, uh, mental health, suicide. It's a message that is sometimes uncomfortable to talk about, but when you can put it into a song and we talk about it on stage, almost always somebody comes up during a break or after the show and they tell us their story. And it helps to tell them that it's okay to talk about it. Because if we don't talk about it, then it gets bottled up. And inherently, we can only put so much in before it comes out in the wrong way. Yeah. I just had to say one thing for you. So I'm here with um, my social media manager and my producer. They're kind of feeding me like they're so fascinated by you. They're like bombarding me with questions <laughs> to ask you. But every single time they send me a question, you are already answering it because you're such you're that great of a host. You already have like jumped on top of that subject and covered it in a way that was eloquent and I, it wasn't tangential. It was just really, I guess, pointed and as much as you can say, that means as much as you can say and as little you can say it. I don't really know what that, what would that be? What's the word for that? Uh, you know, you my, know, my mind works in a different way than Mysterious other people I've found out. And, and I thought that this was just normal. And I've always known that... You're not normal. You're very weird. Yes, yes, which is why this is a great podcast. So I tried to explain this to my wife uh, recently, and she said, don't ever tell this to anybody. And I'm going to tell it to everybody, I guess, here. So some people have a narrator in their mind, and other people don't. I don't know if you have a narrator in your mind. Uh, if you read something, you hear either a voice reading it back to you, or maybe it might be your voice reading it back to you. Or if you look at something like I'm looking at a green wall in front of me, I don't just know that it's a green wall. In my mind, the narrator is telling me green wall. In my mind, the narrator. And a different voice than yours? No, it, it's my voice. So I yeah. have a narrator in my mind. A lot of people have a narrator yeah. in their mind. I, I guess many more people don't have a narrator in their mind. And to me, that's foreign. Here's what my wife told me never to tell anybody. I have two. <laughs> 
What's the other one like? It's me, but it's a call and response. So as you mentioned, I'm answering questions before you can ask them of me. It's because, because in my mind, I've got one narrator talking and the other one is answering. And at the same time, my mouth is speaking, which is what made me great on News Talk Radio because I could have a conversation with myself and let people in on it and let people hear what both of my voices were thinking at the same time in real time. I could play devil's advocate with myself. Oh my gosh, that's fascinating. It's weird, um, isn't it? No, it's like it's like reading ahead in a symphony, but it's not even that, it's more than that. Do you think you might be schizophrenic like at all? Uh what? Schizophrenic. I don't think so. I am. I I know that I, I read really slow. I know that. I read really fast, but every time I walk by a white noise, I hear a symphony that I'm composing in my brain. That also drives my wife nuts because she'll be like, are you done reading it? No, I haven't gotten through the... Because I read at the same pace that I talk. And you probably hate hearing things while you're reading, I right? do, yes. Unless it's myself yeah. and that second voice. Or, or my own voice speaking, because... I've gotten to a point where, you know, you're reading script, right? So you've got to read it at the same pace that you're speaking so you don't get too far ahead or too far behind. My producer says he's exactly the same way. Yeah, it's a, it's a learned skill. I, is it a skill or is it just a gift? Uh, I think it's a skill. I, I don't think it's something that I, th- I sought out to do or to accomplish. I think it just um, happened. Then it's a gift. And I think that it contributed to the call and response in my head because when you're reading a script, you have it in front of you, right? But when you're talking off the cuff like we are right now, I don't have a script in front of me, but I can still see that ticker in my mind, which allows me to talk. Yeah. I'm weird. You have a speech metronome in your mind, really? I do. It's, I wish I had one of those. Can it, I borrow yours sometime? It's like the ticker that goes across the bottom of the TV. Just keeps you in line, keeps you in check, keeps you going. But it can also be distracting, you know what I mean? Yeah, you can't. Well, it's not distract. It's distracting from your reality, but it's not distracting from your focus. Right. So somebody could be talking to me, and I might be listening to myself in my own head. And they'll ask me if I heard what they said. I'm like, no. I know. I'm always like, if I'm typing or looking at something, don't even talk to me. Because I'm going to be an <laughs> asshole. When you're like, do you even hear me? I'm like, no, leave me alone. <laughs> I have to focus on this one thing. But no, I I feel like creative minds have a very different um, comprehensive experience of humanity, like the the human condition. They do, because I I don't know, I don't remember which side it is, if creative is right-brained or left-brained, but I'm somewhat both-brained, which gets me in trouble with musicians who are highly creative because I want to talk about business, and then gets me in trouble with the highly business-minded because I want to talk about creative ways to do things. 
Yeah, you walk the line, man. You absolutely do. I'm going to have to look up more audition stuff. I know I watched a couple of live videos you posted a while back, but I was like, is that Andrew? Oh my gosh, they're so good. It was so good. It was so it was so cohesive and it sounded really polished. Yeah, you know, that's 14 years of working at this for our uh, front man, Jamin Schrader. And then uh, I jumped in and uh, I, I guess I was good enough to pick it up as we went. And his songwriting is so intrinsic and complete that it blows me away how he can put together something so clear and concise. And to say that, you know, some people might think that's a no-brainer. You write a song, it's easy, right? Well, writing a song is actually pretty difficult. And a lot of people, when they write songs, they don't write a complete song. Our songs are complete with the verses, the bridge, the refrain, the solo, breakdown, whatnot. They are, they're full songs. They're not snippets of, of something good, but incomplete. They are full. They are polished. We don't put something out until it is ready to go. And I think people are going to really be blown away at the next album because it is actually going to be a rock opera completely different from what we have out right now, which is kind of lighthearted power punk. This is going to be really dark, deep, and heavy. It's going to explore thoughts that most people don't want to talk about. Suicide, anxiety, mental health. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get into it. But we're going to do it. it. We're going to do it. Can I ask you one thing? I know this is not how you form your interviews, but I want to put it in here right now in case we get anybody falls off after that, because you're going to have to put in trigger words and whatnot. But um, where can we find Audacious Music? Uh, the best way to get it is just go straight to our official website, which is Audation, A-U-D-A-T-I-O-N, rocks.com, audationrocks.com. You can find a link to our merch store. We've got some really cool t-shirt designs for sale. You can buy the physical copy of the album right there also. Uh, And if you click on the music uh, tab on the hamburger menu, it'll take you to uh, all of our music, the Believe the Hype album, but there's also a single that we released that's going to be off the next album called Reanimator. But if you just want the Believe the Hype album, uh, you can find that on the homepage. But we're on every major streaming service, uh, whether it's Spotify, YouTube, Deezer, uh, Napster. We've got it all out there. It's pretty cool. And uh, of course, I've got my own personal stuff from my Nine Bridge Road days uh, that I'm still putting music out under the country flavor of the stuff that I write. Is that Eagles reference? What's that? Is that an Eagles reference? Nine Bridge Road? No, it is an old mail route between Grand Island and Donovan. So, so there's no stars in the southern sky there? Uh, well, Not southward as you go? Central Nebraska sky, yes, yes. but uh, There's no moonlight and moss in the trees. It's. Um, <laughs> we used to go fishing out there when I was a kid, so it's kind of a special place. So that's why I called it Nine that's Bridge great. Road. But everybody asks, do you play Eagle stuff? Well, yeah, we, we did. Yeah, so I've do. got three songs released under the Nine Bridge Road band brand. 
Um, and then my latest song, which is a punk song, I've released Ooh. it under the brand The Ex-Husband Club because it's, <laughs> it's kind of making fun of crazy people. And that's the song. It's called Crazy. Gotcha. Yep. Like your ex-wives? Uh, I have been uh, advised by my attorney to not disclose the... Crazy persons of no Inspiration for that song. Um, <laughs> Just no context clues whatsoever. It's probably about me. I think they're all about me. It's fine. I'll uh, take the heat. No, they're, I can tell you who they're not about. They're not about you. Good. Finally, for once, it's not about right? me. <laughs> um, are you, hold on. I had a good question up here. You guys scroll down for me really quick. Sorry. <laughs> we can get that out. Scroll down. Yeah, so guys. it might be the only song where you hear the term narcissistic sociopath in a lyric. I feel like I could write a million songs. <laughs> Doing that. Um, uh, okay. Now, oh yeah. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I have a good question. Okay. What is your anthem? What song defines your life? You as a person. Do you have one? Do you have five? Do you have three? I will limit you to five, but give me the songs. Uh, that describe me as a person. You, your journey, your feelings, your thoughts, your aspirations, your dreams, everything. Five songs um, or less. You know, I would say I wrote this and I did not intend it to be an anthem, but I, I think it describes a lot of things about myself and a lot of things about other people, which is why it's so relatable. It's a song called Pockets. It is the second track on our Believe the Hype album, and you know, it, it talks about fear. Uh, it talks about anxiety. It talks about um, inadequacy. It, it talks about, you know, getting in trouble throughout this really, really, really concise idea about growing up and navigating high school, right? So the first <laughs> lyric is about anxiety over asking somebody out. You, you see them down the hallway. Do I have it in me? Is she going to say yes? Or is he going to say yes? The second lyric is about uh, coming up short, forgetting your homework. The teacher is upset with you. Uh, the third lyric is about getting in trouble with the cops. You know, these are all things that I think a lot of people can relate to. And the message behind the song, though, is don't let these things stop you. Don't wait around with your hands in your pockets. Seize the opportunity. Take a chance. Don't wait for life to pass you by. I love that. That's beautiful. Um, how are you? So all of your songs are original? Um, and your audition, sorry. The audition songs that we have recorded right now are all original. Um, we've worked with, or Jamin has worked with various songwriters over the years. 
Um, and there is some other influence on the tracks. Uh, those songwriters have been acknowledged, which is really, really great when you can put out an album and somebody can see their name associated with that, even though they might not have played with the band. Uh, there are a lot of songwriters out there that, that you don't realize that, you know, you think George Strait wrote it. No, George Strait didn't write it. It was somebody else. That's a segue perfectly into my next question, if you don't mind. Sure. How do you feel about these artists? These like, you know, you walk into Forever 21 and you're like, what is this just endless, like, almost like, what is that um, Zydeco, like, just monotonous, like, pop, dance, whatever, electric, whatever you want to call it. Like, who who are these people performing this? And they're not writing it, obviously. How much respect do you have for that music? Well, here's something that a lot of people I don't think realized. I don't think Elvis wrote any of his own music. But he was somebody who could pick a great song. And if he recorded your song, he required that he received 50% uh, songwriting credit. Would any of these songs have seen the light of day if it weren't for Elvis putting his voice to them? So I think there is something to be said for a songwriter and a recording artist um, relationship. What about when it's auto-tuned? What is it like, oh, 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 that disco pop dance stuff, you know what I mean? It has its place. It has its place. Um at Forever 21 when you're shopping? Are you the 13-year-old? <laughs> I don't think I've ever been in a Forever 21. You are Forever 21. I think. In my mind. <laughs> I've been in a Gadzooks. Oh, I forgot about that place. That existed, didn't it? I bought a pair of vinyl pants, and then I went into the bathroom at the mall in Grand Island, put them on, and I came back, and every step I took, they squeaked. <laughs> That's great. There's a picture hey, somewhere. So, so you obviously know how to set up a studio, everything like that. Yes. And we're talking about electronic music. Do you feel ever a little bit of anxiety, like I do, about people not learning, truly learning and mastering instruments anymore? Uh, no, because I'm self-taught with everything. I've Other than voice, I had... Uh, voice lessons throughout high school. I went to college on a vocal scholarship. Uh, I've kind of let that slide as I, I work more on guitar, but you know, I'm kind of self-taught. And if you look at a lot of the people that make it big, they aren't usually the people that went to school for music. So you can be as talented as the most talented musician on earth and, and, and not make it. And you can be as untalented as X pop goes the weasel gets on the radio tomorrow who was on TikTok, but somebody noticed and they have a one hit wonder. Uh, you can work your butt off trying to make a hit and, I don't think that's the way to do it. It's luck. There is a lot of luck 
that goes into this business. You can be good, but it's better to be lucky than it is to be good, in my opinion. Amen to that. Artistry is magic. It is. We get lucky sometimes, and, but we don't stop making it because we are born to do so. And it's a tort. That's why we're called torture artists because we're just like we're doing this. And why? Why are we doing this still? Because we have to. You know, this is where I'll give the sales reps props. And I don't think the sales reps should be the driving force behind things, but it does take somebody with a marketing acumen to be able to recognize something that is marketable and be able to take them from the recesses of their mom's basement or their closet recording studio and take them to the next level. Mm -hmm. And if you can get hooked up with somebody who recognizes your talent and they have a vehicle to get you from your current position to where you want to be next, there is some magic in that. So just like what you're doing here with your podcast, you're on screen, but on the other side of that computer is, is a producer that recognized something in you and said, let's do something cool with this. Yeah, I'm paying him in exposures. <laughs> I owe him uh, 1,800 exposures a month, and I'm pretty sure we surpassed that already, so it should be fine. Hey, yeah, uh, that doesn't... You get you it. You know, exposure doesn't work well with law enforcement. No. We tend to uh, frown on that. <laughs> Nice. Oh boy. I want to talk about something that you told me and I I resonated with personally really quick if you don't mind. Um We loathe politics as Americans. Everybody says they hate them, right? I don't want to talk politics. I'm this way, I'm that way, or they're overly like spoken outspoken about it they're they're just like this is my viewpoint and you're wrong get out or they're combative or whatever um we love politics but we allow ourselves to be utilized as useful idiots mm -hmm. to keep those we loathe in power politics is a dirty business i had yeah. spent the last so 10 years of my broadcasting career on News Talk Radio, I had the pleasure to speak with, uh, let's see, four different governors of Nebraska, Ben Nelson, Mike Johans, uh, Dave Heineman, and Pete Ricketts. I've had countless uh, state representatives in my office, uh, you know, in the hot seat. I've spoken to senators, congressmen, and women. I've talked to city councilmen and women. And politics is all about giving people something to fight over in order to collect their vote. And that is an oversimplification, an oversimplification of what it is, but it's it's the absolute truth. It's manipulation through polarization. It absolutely and simpli is. And simplification. It, Lots of alliteration there. Yeah, absolutely. 
we like to speak out against our elected officials, right? We don't like what ex-politicians said or how they voted. Uh, 50% of the country hates this president. 50% of the country hated the last president. But we continue to vote for people that we hate. We continue to vote for people that half the country doesn't like. In whatever business could you run or push forward if half of your employees did not want to work for you. You couldn't do it. But despite the fact that we don't feel like we get the best candidates, we vote for them. The lesser of two evils, which is still evil. Allow ourselves to be useful idiots for people who want to stay in power and legitimately do nothing but push their own agenda forward. We live in a one-party state. We don't live in a two-party yeah. state. We're the only unit here in the state. We, no, I'm not talking about Nebraska. I'm talking about the United States of America. We live okay. in a one-party yeah. state. It's not yeah. Republicans and Democrats. It's, yeah. it's yeah. two heads yeah. of the same snake. And yeah. they divide us so that way that snake can stay in power because the libertarians aren't going to get enough votes if everybody's too busy fighting over the Republicans and the Democrats. And don't get me wrong, there are people that truly love this country and truly want to do what's best for this country. And and I honestly believe that we have some of the best here in this state in who we've had with Ben Sass and uh, Deb Fisher and Adrian Smith. And I can say that because these are not career politicians. Deb Fisher's a rancher. Adrian Smith is a small town boy. Uh, Ben Sass, yeah, he ran universities, but Ben Sass just proved that he's not a career politician because he just got sick of it and left. And Mm -hmm. I think he's down in Florida right now. And honestly, (laughs) Ben Sass would make a wonderful president because he hates politics, (laughs) but he's good at it. I hate politics too, but I was really, really good at discussing it. And uh, I, I don't like discussing it. Can I tell you something? You, you might, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to comfort you or make you even more enraged about it. But as I've been interviewing people across the country, I actually made a map and then I looked at their belief systems about politics. And I figured out their media manipulations and pretty much all I found out a connection to where everybody believes this in Southern California. And then we have a lot of apathetic states in the north. And then we've got a lot of really, really strong beliefs in the south that kind of like dissipate from the mid-south. I'm not going to say it's certain region because I don't want to rattle any feathers, but the mid-region of the south up and then more apathy down where you're going and then a little bit more and a little bit more. It seems like the highest um, level of intelligence in the region, they don't really care about politics. But the people who are the most passionate about it are people with the lowest IQs. There was a, a, 
I don't want to say study. I read it somewhere. I can't tell you the the source because I've been out of the business for almost two years now. But the gist of it was the higher your level of education, the more easily manipulated you are by politics or the more uh, likely you might be to acquiesce to bad policy because you think speaking out against it would hurt your business. Whereas the lower your education, the less you have to lose by speaking out about your opinions. So the higher your education level, the worse voter you really are if you think about it that way. Yeah, you know more rules. You know how it works. And then lower, they think, I can change things. And maybe they can. And they have the same like their opinion is no lesser than any of ours. Right. And their experience is no lesser than ours. But they don't understand the bureaucracy and the chain of like basically just the way that everything trickles down to fight for that. So that's why there's grassroots stuff. That's why there's, you know, that's why there's um the spoiler alert, the union, you know, strikes and stuff like that. That's coming up soon. Yep. People are going to be really mad about their Amazon orders. You know, when I was on the air, I worked really, really hard to bring people the truth about any given topic or to bring people multiple opinions on any given topic. And I would get really frustrated with some of the ignorance that would call into my program or I would learn on the street and I would, I would get a little bit angry because elections have consequences. And yeah, if you're walking down the street, talking to your neighbor, you see a different America than what is portrayed in Washington, DC. And that is 100% the truth. And the reason it's different is because they cannot manipulate your real life. But when you don't pay attention to what is going on, they are still manipulating your vote. And I would get upset. I would get disappointed over that, thinking, how can you take something that is so serious, your civic duty as voting and 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 make it so trivial that that you're not going to pay attention or you're just simply going to vote via a party line because you registered as an R or a D or an I and it wasn't There's a new party in Nebraska. It wasn't until about 7 months after I'd been out of broadcasting and I realized mm-hmm. that ignorance really is bliss. I am Oh. Yes. I am happier now that I'm not paying attention. But did you ever talk to Crystal Gable? I, I don't. It, do you know there's a new party in Nebraska, right? The uh, Green Party? Legal wa- marijuana now? Uh, yeah, the, their version of the Green Party, right? Yeah. 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 Do you ever talk to her? I, I don't think that uh, I did when I was on the air. I'm not sure if that was new yet. Um, but... Um, you know, going back to what you said about coming on to my radio program, not listening to radio, you kind of felt guilty. I, I kind of feel guilty now that 
I've been off the air and, and I've been happier and, and I kind of feel like I, I'm not entitled to that happiness because there's still so much bad that is going on in politics. And I feel like somebody needs to be a watchdog, but you know, I come back to, nope, I'm just happy playing music here. Screw it. No, you've done your service. You have. Uh you know, it'll and you're be, not done yet. Do you? Does Audition have any political songs? Uh, no, we are. Uh, we're as far away from politics as uh, we can get. We are not Bruce Springsteen. We we don't play Born in the USA. Uh, we're not mm-hmm. uh, John Mellencamp. Uh, we we have an honest message, and that is about personal experiences things that we think people can relate to. Unifying message instead of a polarizing message. Yeah. Well, our songs don't really necessarily bring people together. It's they're they're not kumbayas. Um, but they are highlighting the dark side of the moon, so to speak, right? Mm-hmm. There are certain things that are still taboo in this country. And and one of those, even though we like to say it isn't, is still mental health. Um, Absolutely. Especially for That's- men. How often do men talk about their mental health, even if they want to? It is very, very hard for a man to talk about his mental health, even if another man tells him it's okay to talk about it, even if it's his best friend. No, they got to be strong. they would be men. Yes. You're going to love watching the rest of this show because the rest of it is about men and mental health. Honestly, it really is. You're going to love that. It's, it's expository, have a lot of really, really brave men willing to be sensitive and actually vulnerable for once in front of however many people see them they don't care so somebody's got to talk about it somebody's got to highlight it we take those messages to you know some of the people that need to hear it the most i mean if you're going to go drown your sorrows where are you going to do it you're probably going to do it at the local watering hole and mm -hmm. we've gotten some people to put the bottle down and come up and and have some honest conversations. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that I've listened to you when you first approached us, Seth and I, about being on the show. I do a lot of research when I approach with an opportunity to make sure that I know all about how to approach that opportunity in the best way possible, present myself, be, you know, aware of what I'm walking into and, Honestly, just not just like doing headlights type of thing. And I watched your stuff and you were just so deliberate in how you made your decisions. And I, I, now that you told me the whole thing about your two per, people, you know, ear, what, what do you call it? Two voices? Uh, yeah, I've got like, two narrators. Worry. Narrators. Narr- you're two narrators in your mind. That makes so much sense because I was like, he's just going back and forth, but he's telling both sides of the story. And it's just like, it's impossible to hate him from either side. Like, he's just like really like encompassing the entire problem that we are trying to fix. And he's giving all these different facets of it from every angle, circumferencing that. 
And so I think you were fantastic at your job, but also I know it was really stressful and it wasn't as rewarding as it should have been to take care of your family. I'm happy to see you happy and I'm happy to see you making music and you will never stop doing this. You know you won't. I don't know. We'll we'll see. I, I thought at one time I wanted to um, just take a break and then come back. Thought about doing what you're doing, a podcast, but... There are going to be others who step up, such as yourself, throughout the rest of my lifetime that uh, I hope are going to uh, spread some of the same messages that I would. So I am, I am happy to sit back and watch others carry, carry the torch, um, and I think that's who's going to carry it. It's not going to be somebody on a public broadcasting media um, or commercial media. It's going to be podcasters such as yourself bringing information to the forefront because I think that's where the new audience is. We are in a new era where we choose what we consume. It's no longer fed to us via one single subscription. Uh, We are honestly in an era where we may not even search out content, but because our phone heard us say a buzzword, the next thing that pops up on our screen might be exactly what we need to hear from somebody we've never met. Yeah, it's insane. It's a, a slightly terrifyingly, um, but also really convenient service well, that we have. It, you know, it's, it's also <laughs> fun because, you know, if, if you want your wife to get you cert- something certain for your specific for your birthday, you just, you know, kind of grab her phone and start searching for Dodge Ram pickups. And then. <laughs> can, can she give me one? Yeah. For mine? <laughs> do that? That'd be great. No, I, I'm just going to go ahead and say this really, just really bluntly. But I was in jail. And when I was in jail, wrongfully so, I read a book. And the book was the only thing I could find that wasn't Danielle Steele or even more terrible. And it was a book about this girl who identified her life from the start to finish. It was very long, but she said when she first got television, that's how it started out. Um, it was it, it was an Oprah book club thing. That's why I picked that one. I was like, at least this might be a little bit, you know educational maybe we'll see and she said they had four channels that's it every all four channels had three programs each that would cycle through and this was not that long ago we there's lots of people living here today that still have had that experience now we have just media just like throwing itself in our face like constantly and also we're not even seeing just media we're seeing our friends and family's experiences and everything and then it I think it gets in the way of us actually seeking out the truth and seeking out real, you know, human experiences and human connection. And then COVID happened. We stopped talking to each other like we are now, you know, so I feel like we're trying, I'm trying to bring back the art of conversation and the art of cognizance in reality, what's going on. You know, everything on the internet is true. Abe Lincoln said so. Yeah, because he fell from an apple tree or something. Right. Like that. It 
we're in a a new era and we we've got to police ourselves i think i mean there is something mm-hmm. to be said uh for being overstimulated with content i i certainly agree mm-hmm. uh back to ignorance is bliss you know i i think that as adults we like to say let's limit our children's screen time i think we need to do that ourselves also absolutely and schedule playtime out in the backyard with our dogs i haven't watched tv in seven years and it's been bliss <laughs> seven years every time i see a commercial i'm like stop tell me what to buy you know, every single time I'm in a doctor's office or whatever, I'm just like, stop it. Shh, I don't care. I don't want that. I want that. <laughs> I will say that's one thing that I do miss uh, is the commercials, as weird as that sounds, because I don't know what the new greatest thing is. Even Even being on the internet and doing the work that I do there. Uh, with our television, we can skip the commercials, right? So I don't know what the latest great pro- uh, podcast or uh, uh, product, rather, is. I don't know what... Uh, Podcast-wise, is this one. Yeah, right? yeah, this is the best one out there, obviously. Um, so, it, so it's kind of weird, and, and I don't listen to the radio that much at all. I never really did, even when I was on radio, because obviously I needed a break from radio. Mm-hmm. So when I was in my car, I was driving with the radio off, and I still do that most of the time now, or I listen to uh, some channels on uh, Sirius XM. Um, but it's okay. We do need to disconnect. I think there's something therapeutic about it. And with respect to mental health, I think in 5, 10, 20 years, we're going to hear more and more about that. And our doctors are probably going to be talking to us about our screen time like they talk to us about how many cans of Coke we drink a day or Absolutely. how many little Debbies we eat or whether we're eating fast food. They're going to talk to us about, well, how much time do you spend in front of a screen? How much time do you spend on your phone? And not necessarily because you're not getting physical activity, but your your brain isn't receiving the... Uh, What's the content you're streaming? I, I think content yourself, is you know? just as important as the nutrients that we put in our body. Absolutely. Uh, because Maybe more so. If, if you have a healthy diet, you, obviously your body is going to be healthier. If you have a healthier diet of content, uh, I, I think mentally you're going to be happier as well. Yeah, absolutely. Completely agree with you on that. Um, uh Shoot, I said um again. I have a sign in front of me. It says, don't say um, Sam. My crutch um, no. was sure. <laughs> I'm gonna, do you mind if I have you back sometime? No, not at all. The show? Not at all. Because that'd be great. You're just a natural at this. 